The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Longwood University or the Rotunda News Magazine. On this episode of The Real Life, we dive into uh, new reports coming out of Warner Brothers with Zack Snyder and the DC Extended Universe. We talk about some delays that are coming out of Fox, the new trailers that have come out this week, and the unfortunate passings of Johan Johansson and Reg E. Caffey. All that and more on this week's episode of The Real Life. Hello everybody, I'm Jacob Delandro. And I am Ray Mundy. And this is The Real Life. Um want to get into things fairly quickly because this is the second episode. Things aren't as... We don't have to be as uh, explanatory as we were in the first episode. Um, but have a uh, disclaimer... Or not a disclaimer. A correction to make. Um, last week, when we were talking about the Weinstein Company and its catalog of films and its possible new owner, I mentioned that the Weinstein Company owns Summit Entertainment, the studio responsible for Perks Being a Wallflower and the Twilight films. That's not... True. Lionsgate owns Summit Entertainment. Weinstein does not own Summit Entertainment. That was my bad. Um, but I just wanted to go ahead and get and uh, state that just for uh, future reference. And if anything like that pops up again, I'll I'll correct correct sure. myself uh, the next week. Um, but I want to get started with the trailers that came out this week uh, with a little trailer roundup. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, don't tell. No, I don't want to say all the trailers. I know that we're. No, going I. To... That was a pause for the music sting. Oh, wow. Well. I told you that. No, it's already played. I, I'm sure I found a place to put it in. Um, there was a, a lot of stuff that came out this week. Not a lot that's like really has a lot of meat to get into. Stuff I want to mention, but nothing that's like extreme. Um, Until the end. Uh, however. Uh, there are a lot of trailers that are just like I just want to mention. There are a few trailers that were pretty big. Um, uh, Incredibles 2, I'm very excited for this movie. Incredibles 2, I feel like a lot of people from our age group, college students, will be excited because this was a childhood movie for us. Oh yeah, you are. Like, this was movies that people in our age group grew up for, grew up with in the most part. Uh, especially if they were in America, but I'm really excited with this newest trailer because Elastigirl is coming back, and now instead of, um, instead of the mom being the person taking care of the kids and taking care of the house, it's dad's turn to be mom. I, I, so Mr. Incredible is going to become Mr. Mom. And I like that because that's, I mean, you mentioned Mr. Mom and like my brain goes to kind of Mrs. Doubtfire in a way, but like a little bit. A little bit um, I'm very excited for this because I grew up with the movie in the same way that like when Toy Story 3 and Monsters and Finding Dory and all that, their sequels came out. Um, you saw like the tweets and the memes online that were just like, I'm going to trample over the kids like if anybody th- un- under the age of ten is in this theater, I'm gonna trample over them when I on my way to my seat because they didn't wait for this. Um, but this trailer excites me for quite a few reasons. Number one, 
I like the, like you mentioned, I like the idea that he's now, like, he's the stay-at-home mom, essentially. But I like that it's clear that they're both still getting screen time. They're both still getting screen time, but, like, so going back to him being Mr. Mom, because she's saving the world, we all know, like, she's going to be total badass, it's going to be great, we're all very excited to see her. I'm really interested because he is, in the trailer, the newest one, it shows how frustrated he is at being a stay-at-home dad because he probably didn't think it would be that hard. But he's, like, completely, like, he's got the 5 o'clock shadow by the end of it, he's ready to pull out his hair, and he's even gotten what looks like to be Violet and Frozo to kind of help him handle Dash and Jack-Jack. And I, I like that kind of an angle, and I really like the end of the trailer. Um, for for a reason, I'll get into in just a sec. But I, I can't like give him any more cookies. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I the reason I bring up that I think that I like that it looks like they're going to have equal screen time is because it it does in a way like on a surface level look kind of like just a reverse of the plot of the first film in a way, but. I also don't think it is because if you look at the first film, until she, until Elastigirl started to like figure out what was happening with Mr. Incredible, she wasn't like a part of the story. Like it wasn't like you cut back to her for a goofy moment where she was raising the kids until she started to do like espionage and figure out what he was up to. She wasn't really a part of the story. So the fact that it looks like. It was just passing around like how their relationship went from the doll like honey can you please do this to like now like their romance was recreated in the first one yeah so it'll be interesting also to see if that romance how much of that is still there i feel like it will be just from the slight i mean the fact that you like you have this whole long journey and then now you pick up with the sequel um most of the time unless you make a bad sequel uh, things are still learned unless you completely repeat the same plot and have them learn the same lessons, which yeah. is no fun for anybody. Well, like, if this upcoming movie has a point where, like, they're struggling in the romance situation, that's fine. I just don't want it to be where we went back to square one with the last one where they, like, got in a rut. Yeah, I got their you. relationship again. If they have, like, issues with their romantic relationship... Because their work dynamic has changed, that's different. That's a new obstacle that they'll have to overcome. And I don't think it would necessarily come from or affect their romantic relationship more so than it would just affect the the family dynamic. That's true. Um, but but it looks like they're still going to get equal screen time, and there's going to, as opposed to it being flipped in the first movie, but mm-hmm. still being mainly focused on him. Because um, you have those lines in the. Uh, you have those lines in the trailer where he says, where she says, like, I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over. Um, and he talks about, I have to succeed so she can succeed so That's we can succeed. Line. I want that in the movie so bad. I want oh, that it's going to be in the movie. So like, bad because I, I feel like that's how it is in a relationship when you're trying, like, I don't even mean in a dating sense, but when you have kids and you've got the main breadwinner, and then you've got the person who's staying at home making sure everything's going smoothly, you kind of feel like 
both of you have to be successful to make sure that the other one's successful. So yeah. I'm excited for that. Um, I I also am this this trailer excites. Well, we keep saying trailer. I do want to point out, according to Disney, this isn't technically a trailer. There hasn't been an official trailer yet, according to Disney, because this That's is listed this online is as as the Olympics special teaser, and then the last one with Jack Jack just like bumbling around was a Even teaser. There's going to be um, a riot if they're like, JK, there's no movie. Of course there's going to be a movie. I know, but what I'm saying is, like, we know, like, they call them teasers, but we know that they're trailers. Yeah. Because Um, if it's not a trailer for a movie and they're like, haha, we just put this together to mess with you, like, we're going to have a riot. People are going to be No, I mean, a teaser is, they call it a teaser trailer if it's a trailer for the film that does not give away as much plot or as much detail as the first. It's a teaser to tease you to get interest going. That's fair. Um, uh, I, oh, I do want to mention, the reason I like the like, last 30 seconds where he's like got the five o'clock shadow, that looks like, that looks bad crazy. And I like, also like, so the, their animation changed too because the outfits are changing more. So you don't have the standardized outfit in every single scene which yeah. they also did in the first one where like that's they just wearing that's the same just outfit. animation but like this this looks it looks insane like it looks like they pushed it to like an the logical the extreme detail, the visual effects are much more detailed. not even that just the the story the idea of like he's got the five o'clock shadow and like jack jack is going crazy he's like i've just been feeding him cookies like that like craziness i i'm completely on board for because i think a film that is as creative as just this concept of like a family of superheroes a film that is already at that kind of a creative standpoint only gets better when you go further into the extreme well Um, also when you have somebody who's like used to being able to take care of poems due to his brute strength and now you have converted him to stay at home dad yeah this is just gonna be great because naturally as a parent you're gonna argue as your with your child Especially a child that does not understand the difference between right and wrong. And that child is a superhero. And probably the most dangerous superhero within the family. Yeah. He has the most powers. I would love to see a prequel, though, of Incredibles of Violet when she was a baby. I mean... Just a baby that could turn invisible at any point. I feel like that's more short material. Like the, I just like want to see. I like you're right because I honestly just want to see like a moment where like she turned invisible or like the first time she turned invisible and they're like, where the hell is the baby? And they might. I mean, maybe that's like in the intro of the movie because in the intro of the first Incredibles there was a flashback, so they might do a flashback to like when Dash and her were kids and dealing with that before they get so, into the whole like, movie. I would love a comparison of like what it was like for each child as a baby. Yeah. Um. So next trailer, I feel pretty. Um, the Amy Schumer comedy that got its release date pushed up after the trailer came out. Like it was supposed to come out in August, and now they're like, no, it's coming out at the end of March or April, oh. one of those months. And that was a big jump. And I, it also doesn't look like a movie that like would justify that kind of a jump. Um, My hesitation. So like Amy Schumer is an amazing actress when it comes to comedies. And this is obviously going to be a comedy movie. And I'm excited because I do enjoy Amy Schumer as an actress. 
my only concern with the trailer, which you share, is it shows that she hits her head or, like, gets some sort of head injury. and then We should probably also, ex- like, briefly explain what the supposed plot of the film is from the trailer. Because, like, Incredibles is fairly well known. That's fair. This is what... So, this is a... Um, I don't know if we ever learned her name or her job, but Amy Schumer plays a woman who is fed up with the general, I think in one point in the trailer, she says, like, we all say that, like, it's what's on the inside that counts, but we all know we don't really mean that. Um, Especially for women, all of your advertisement is on the outside. I feel pretty is pretty much, ha, pretty much. It's about a woman who does not feel pretty within her own body and is struggling within her dating life because she does not have the confidence. And then she hits her head and thinks that she's the most gorgeous woman on the planet even though nothing physically about her has changed. And that is where my issue starts to grow with this Well, because I can't tell if this is like one of those where like she gets a head injury and she thinks she's all of a sudden pretty or if like the head injury leads her to like have some sort of conversation. It's a small part of the overall plot that then leads to... Like, I will... Because I'm wondering, like, if she had, like, a conversation at the hospital after she hit her head with somebody, and then she has this aha moment of, like, if I just fake it till I make it kind of deal. I gotcha. With the I feel pretty. But I feel like it could go either way. But if it is with the head injury that she all of a sudden feels pretty then we're going down a very dangerous route. Just that whole idea of like, yeah, body positivity. Um, but if you really want to believe it, there's like some outside, like you're like, this woman's hit her head and that's the only way she can legitimately worry, believe it. I worry about it for the younger audiences. I hope this is R-rated so those younger audiences won't be exposed. Because if this is PG-13... Well, because like my worry is... If it is PG-13, if a 13-year-old girl who's feeling self-conscious about her dating life or about her looks, I would hate for her to feel like the only way she's going to love herself is if she gets her a concussion. Because I don't want to all I don't want this movie to come out and then all of a sudden we see on the internet that a bunch of girls are getting concussions and to feel pretty. I don't think it would go to that much of an extreme, but I think... People this, are stupid. Well, yeah, fair enough. I think this is an example of a good concept or a good idea with bad execution. Um, because, I I mean... I just like, hope we're wrong. Because the film does... I hope funny. we're wrong. Um, but it's just like, like, every time, like, when she first... Because there's the scene where she gets up and she looks in the mirror and she goes, Is that me? I'm beautiful! And she gets a look from the nurse that's like, you are a crazy person. And she gets that look throughout the entire trailer. She does, because she gets that from, like, all of a sudden she has this job interview, and I I don't remember what exactly she said, but she came across as, like, arrogant. She... they, They were looking at her resume, and they were like, is this the only job you're applying for? And she goes like... No, I, I understand. I know modeling could be in my future. And they all give her a look like, what? Like, for what? Like, what are you going to be a model for? And, like, even her friends give her that look. And it's that general sense of mean-spiritedness that I feel like is not, is going to be this film's downfall. I feel like if this is the kind of 
story you want to tell or approach you want to take to this kind of a topic, this is the wrong way to do it. I'm just worried for, like, I hope what I... the general message is. Like, I, I want to see this film, but I'm very nervous about it. I mean, if the release date did get moved up as much as I think it did, then I'm, I'm going to be reviewing it, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, next trailer, uh, Venom. The first teaser for Venom. Um, I share your excitement. The visual effects for Venom is great. I love the fact that they're adding in so much spider-webby parts. Spider-webby parts. Yeah, like when like they show his face at the end, it's like a bunch of like spider webs. That, like, I mean, make but it up. yeah, Venom is Spider-Man though. No, no, no. I know it's Spider-Man. I'm just saying like I really like the spider-webby effects yeah. that they put into. It. I gotcha. Um, I do have one. I, and I know I we talked about it like literally like five minutes ago um, with a teaser versus a trailer. This is a teaser. They've been very adamant this is a teaser, but there's no Venom in this Venom trailer. I wondered that, and there's no spider. Like there's no bite, but he's in well, the hospital. Venom isn't Venom isn't a bite. That's true. Venom's like the space, like literally like a whole other being that comes from space. But like, there's no Venom in my Venom trailer. <laughs> And, like... But there is that hospital scene, so, like, I'm wondering what that's about. I feel like at that point he's, like, been infected and, like, they're examining him and it, um, I hope so, because he, like, screamed and so he was in a lot of yeah. pain. The other really... That, that scared me when I was watching the trailer. I wasn't prepared for that. The other really interesting thing about that that they don't really show off in the trailer is they've said this is going to be, like, a horror film, which is Ooh. really cool, because Venom is a... Superhero, anti-hero. Well, he's not like he's a villain. Like he's a legitimately terrifying yeah. creature. Like in there's a video game where you no, play but as I just Venom. Mean, like he's like a part of that genre. Yeah, um, and they've been tiptoeing into that reigns or into that area, like Fox has with the New Mutants, which I'm going to talk about. That's, That's we're going to talk about that later because um, that comes up. Um, but uh, it just. I don't know. It it feels like... I know that you don't need to show off your entire creature in your very first trailer. Like, they didn't show off... Like, it, the the teaser for The Last Jedi showed Luke at the very end. Exactly what it's supposed to do. Because, just like we talked about, it's a teaser. It's supposed to get us interested in the movie. And I think that this did just that. Where, like, you and I are kind of like... What are you doing with your movie? I I disagree because I think there's a there's there's a point where a teaser is like this is good I like this, and then there's a point where the teaser's like, uh, uh, but why? Like nothing. Like if you hadn't told me if it didn't have the name Venom at the end of this teaser, nothing about this would have made me go. This is a teaser for Venom. That's fair. It looks super genuine. Like, I, while I'm excited for it and I like the tone, knowing that it's a Venom movie, well, remember, it looks super generic in its tone. It does, because I had to ask you when I was watching the trailer, I was like, is this the Venom trailer that you were talking about? And you were like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you could have literally told me that this was for the next Spider-Man, Fast and Furious Wolverine, movie. Fast and Furious, literally. Any, like, male lead action movie. 
So if they are trying to go in horror, I do want to see more of the horror part in their next teaser or trailer. I gotcha. And I mean, it's it comes out in October, so I mean, there's time. Um, I yeah. like the logo. I like the like very milky look of Venom's eyes and like that white, that shade of white they chose. I like the logo a lot, um, and I like it's the poster. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, moving on down the list, uh, I, I want to talk about both these trailers together for just a brief moment. Life of the Party, a new Melissa M- McCarthy comedy, and Uncle Drew, a mockumentary. Comedy kind of looking thing. They both look super generic and bad. <laughs> That's my like, point. Um, the life of a party, honestly, for me, from the trailer, it kind of seemed like a real life female version of the Goofy movie. Where Goofy goes oh, to college Christ. and he. That's like, an extremely goofy movie, thank you very much. No, an right, extremely right, goofy movie right. is it where is he goes extreme. to college. But like I I know my nineties Disney But like you all but like do you see what I mean where it's like the parent goes to college and then they're just like Oh, I'm gonna be like super part of my kids' life and I'm gonna like join their organization and I'm gonna be all involved and I'm gonna be like a party person and it's gonna be great. I also, I know for a fact that that plot's been done many times, and yet I love that the only example we can think of is an extremely goofy movie. I didn't know there were more examples. That I was mean, like, that I know it's, I know it's been done before, like. Oh, definitely, because it's an easy genre to do, because every college student's, like, worst nightmare, whether they admit it or not, is their parents following them to school. College is supposed to be where you get away from your parents and figure out who you are on your own. Yeah. The whole point of your parent then following you to college takes that away from you. Right. And takes away from your college experience. Um, but just the movie in, its, in and of itself just looks kind of... Like, it looks like one of those movies where even if it's not... I don't think this movie is going to be great. Even if it's not bad, I feel like I'm going to walk out of the theater and go, okay, like nothing has changed in my life because i saw this movie um i am in love with melissa mccarthy as an actress like i love her but i agree with you that i think that this will be a movie that i don't go and see in theaters i think i'll wait until this is a rent on Redbox or like this this is the like you're flipping through tbs in june and it's like life of the party coming up next on tbs like one of those movies or you get like drunk with your friends and you have the movie on um and Uncle Drew just looks, like, this movie would look generic in, like, just about every other, like, retired sports person yeah, movie ever. so I'm uh, really, I'm worried about this because I feel like it looks like a stereotypical hood movie, and I thought we were trying to get away from that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a movie like that as long as it's good. Well, there's nothing wrong with a movie that's about the hood. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm concerned because it looks stereotypical. Like, it really... It kind of reminds me... It just looks generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I, I can't tell from the trailer or not if they're going on, like, a mockumentary, like, The Office kind of look. Because I feel like they are, but I... I don't know. It might just be the camera work. Um, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It also, like, reminds me of those movies where, um, what was, like, 
you hate Adam Sandler, but the Adam Sandler movie where he's like learning how to golf. Oh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, it kind of like, it's got like a Happy Gilmore feel to it because you have like the old mentor that's all of a sudden going to make the young dude like really good at this sport. You've also seen that in like Happy uh, Gilmore. I the think that was... surfing movie with the penguin. Surf's up. Surf's um, up. I think that was part of the plot of Caddyshack. I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure, sure it was. Um, but uh, this movie looks generic and I wouldn't really have an opinion on it. If not for the fact that this movie is based on a Pepsi campaign. Like a series of advertisements for Pepsi that featured this Uncle Drew character playing basketball. And that is where I go, oh no. (laughs) Because no matter how good your trailer is or how like just good or decent your movie looks... This is a movie based on a character made for a marketing campaign. Well, like, the movie, like, you have to make this the best movie if you want to pull it off, because otherwise you're going to have, you're going to have that black spot of, um, like, this was from a Pepsi ad. This this, was from, because just, like, the Fifty Shades of Grey, like, that series struggles on its own. But it really fell through when it was her when it came out that it was a Twilight fan fiction. Then really nobody took it seriously yeah, for the most part. That's where people were like, Oh, I get it now. Yeah. That's why the characters are super uninteresting and generic. Exactly. So that's my biggest fear with this movie is that if it isn't the most amazing movie of the year. It's going to get that downfall because it came from a Pepsi ad. I mean, I will say this. I don't think it has to be the most amazing movie of the year. I don't think it has to be, like, drop dead, like, shatter no, my and it won't be, jaw. But, like, but like it need, if it doesn't if it's, have a plot and interesting characters and all of that, then it's really going to take a hit. If I walk in, out of this movie and I go, I laughed and I was intrigued, then it succeeds. If I walk out of this movie and I go, I laughed and it, I was intrigued... And there were Pepsi at like like they they oh drove God, past a Pepsi billboard funny. and like every funny. drink they see you you like this that would be funny I'm I'm not kidding I think that will happen um, I but like I want them to play around with it like I almost if, I, if if they make fun of the fact of Pepsi ads or like somehow tie that in then then, then actually, it would be yeah, creative yeah yeah I would, would like that because um, like basically. The two extremes that I'm thinking of with this is, like, this is a movie that was clearly fueled by, hey, the, these ads are popular, people like this character, let's make a movie out of it because we can make some money with it. Um, that's purely where, no, nobody came up to an executive was like, I have this really great and creative idea, this spin I want to put on the Uncle Drew Pepsi character. Um, no one did that. Um, like a drunk idea. Or a, um, oh, sh- my deadline's tomorrow idea. Yeah. Um... But, like, I I feel like... Because the, there's two extremes for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the Emoji movie, where, like, this is clearly funded by corporate greed and marketing. And the other is the Lego movie, where, like, this is clearly funded by corporate greed and marketing. But we really like this movie. The, the, we yeah. really knocked it out of the park. And I don't think it will be neat, nearly as bad or good as either of those. Um, but... It's possible to take this kind of a thing and turn it into something good. Um, I still think Life of the Party and 
Uncle Drew are going to be the Red Box movies. Yeah, they're going to be decent, I, I, I think. I'm not saying they can't be amazing, but I feel like from these trailers, at least, I see these and go, okay, these are, these are going to make a decent amount of money and be decent. Um, I want to just rattle these off real quick. Uh, new trailer for Rampage looks like that, the same trailer that came out before with a little bit more action. Dwayne Johnson is in quite a lot of movies recently. He's a bankable star. He's like, a bankable star. Like, don't get me wrong. And I love him as an actor. I We talked about him in a film last episode and i didn't like him for that skyscraper skyscraper i'm really excited for him in this movie i think that this is going to be so much better than skyscraper because they're adding in sign language they're adding in genetic testing because rampage is this movie where dwayne johnson is friends with a primate and they speak to each other through sign language. And the primate gets exposed to some sort of scientific some device. thing. And is then genetically edited. Yeah. Um, I'm worried about this movie. And I want to uh, rattle through these real quick so we don't spend too much time on them. I'm intrigued because uh, it looks amusing and it's coming out on the 20th of april so they clearly know their audience um but this is based on a video game like this is based on an old arcade game where like the literal plot of the arcade game was choose these generic like clearly we're ripping off king kong but we're not calling him king kong like big monsters like a big wolf and a big lizard and a big gorilla and destroy buildings flies like this isn't just like Genetic editing of, like, okay, we're going to just supersize a creature. The genetic editing, it looks, from what I got from the trailer, they combine, like, a wolf and a bat and then just supersized it. And I have there's a, some sort of, like, dragon, alligator, crocodile thing. I have a very strong feeling that that we will not get a, a real in-depth explanation as to how exactly these characters got, to, or these creatures yeah, got we, to be exactly how they are. never do in the genetic editing movie. Yeah, like, but I feel like this is going to be an especially, like, we are, like, most of the other movies that feature this kind of thing, you're like, well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Rampage, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to gloss over that in the Have story noticed, aspect. Like, Rampage, along with most of the recent genetic editing movies... That at least I've seen, it's always like a female scientist that is the lead for that, genetic editing. That's because you have to shove the female character in, and you need the big bankable action star like Dwayne Johnson, and then you need the short, skinny guy who looks like me for comic relief. And then they're and then like, okay, the we need we need the female, then the scientist, because because she's a female scientist. So like, yeah. we're doing good things, but they're just uh, generic. Um, Overboard. I didn't think about that, yeah. Uh, Overboard looks um, weird and like I mean it I'm doesn't so look weird, but like Overboard. It, I'm so excited. Like I think it's gonna be so funny. But the only part I'm so Overboard is about a a single mom with three children, and she doesn't have any money. Pretty much, she she works as a carpet cleaner. Carpet cleaner, pizza delivery person. She's trying to go back to school to be a nurse. But she runs into um, 
super rich guy and he kind of f***s her life up by throwing out her equipment and now she owes all this money. He gets messed up because he falls overboard and is a stranded victim and washes up on the beach who has amnesia. This movie is actually based off of um, Overboard from the 80s. Oh, it's not just based off. It is like a legit remake. Like, this is a shot-for-shot, plot-for-plot remake. Oh. Um, apart well, from... then in the original, how did the guy take it learning that he was actually a billionaire? I don't know. I never watched it. Jacob! Um... I mean, they're they're changing up something slightly. Like, they changed up the ethnicity of the rich guy. He's uh, Latina now, and, like, they play that into the plot. Um, best joke in the entire trailer comes from that. Um, uh, at the very end of the trailer, he's, uh, a, he wor- he's working on a construction crew with a bunch of other Latina uh, people, and the guy whose house they're working on, he walks up to somebody else, and he goes, hey, can you guys move that dirt? Um, around the front, and the guy he was talking to goes, uh, no habla inglés, and he goes, oh, okay, I'll go tell Bobby then, and the guy goes, see, sí, tell Bobby, and then he turns to the amnesic guy, and he goes, I love doing that to them, I, and I think that's, that's the best funny. joke in the entire trailer, and it comes at the very end, but like, I don't know, Rampage and Overboard and like Life of the Party and all these movies, they just feel like the movies I'm gonna forget about. I'm gonna go, oh, that movie came out last year and See, then I completely think, forget about I them. I think you're wrong about Overboard. I think Overboard's going to surprise you. But maybe I don't, that's just I don't because think I so. really like I really like the trailer. Um if you like if you like it and you like the concept then I would say just watch the original. Um Pacific Rim Uprising, I'm very excited for this movie. I thought it was a really cool trailer. I like the um and this is like the fifth trailer at this point which kind of irritates me but like I feel like at this point there's nobody who's not like somewhat aware of this movie and this concept. Um, it's just creatures are coming from a portal in the middle of the ocean, just like they did in the first movie. And we as humans have decided the easiest way to fight them is to build giant mechs, a la like Voltron or Mobile Suit Gundam, and a lot of Japanese uh, animes, um, and just beat them down in hand-to-hand combat in the, with these giant robots. And the cast looks great. They switched up a lot of cast members from the first one and switched up a lot of characters. And it looks like an improvement over the first one, which was good, but could have been better. I think Pacific Rim is going to get a lot of heat for, like, being too similar to Transformers. Because, like... No, 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 no. See, here's why I... Here, so, I, I apologize for cutting you off. I, I do want to stop you right there because the fact that you're allowed to have your opinions but your opinions are wrong (laughs) like because this is a sequel i can say almost without a doubt that that is not the case that's fair because Because i haven't seen the first one the first one is there's a plot there's a reason there's like legitimate lore and reasons as to why these creatures transformers where it's like we're moved to set piece from set piece to set piece destroying these big robots that have names similar to the ones that you played with as toys with product placement everywhere yeah Um, so it's not like transformers where there's like i mean with transformers like they kind of have a plot but like no it's too generic um plus the thing that this trailer doesn't show off but the uh first movie heavily pushed um was this one's not directed by him but it is produced by him and i believe still written by him but the first one was produced written and directed by gilmel del toro the Shape of Water, Pan's ah. Labyrinth, like, this is like a pet project of his, this franchise, um, 
And the only reason he didn't direct this one was because he left to go work on Shape of Water. Well, Yeah. Um, uh, but so the next one I want to talk about really quick because we are spending a lot of time on these because there was a lot of trailers that came out. Um, the, the final trailer for Ready Player One, the Come With Me trailer, as they've been advertising it, I am so worried about this movie Trailer sucked. I, Let's just be honest. I did. It was a. It was an improvement over the previous trailers, but it, it was still, still a sucked. bad trailer. Um, I love Ready Player One. I love it a lot. Um, well, yeah, the concept of the movie is going to be great, but I'm just worried if the trailers are sucking right now and they're not showing what the storyline is actually going to be about because this is based. You told is, me it was based. Off it's of is a book. based off of a book. Um, one of your favorites, actually. One of, one of my all-time favorite books. Um, the whole concept of this uh, film and this book is. It's the not-too-distant future. The world is kind of deteriorating, but it's not like a post-apocalyptic um, situation. And there, a guy created this online virtual reality world that people can literally live in, go to work in, go to school in. It's not just like, oh, I can throw a ball in a hoop with VR. It's like you can walk around. You can live in this world. So it's given people these abilities to be on equal Equal well, playing ground fields. So you, show, you showed me two trailers before we started recording. And one was like their official two-minute trailer. And then you showed me a fan base. Like 45-second long yeah, and the 45-second one was a million times better. But uh, you and I share concerns because in the two-minute official one, we won't talk about the fan base one. But like the two-minute official one, there wasn't like a lot of color... Besides blue and purple, and it was just... They started out the same way in saying, like, you came to this world to escape, and then, or, like, you came to this world because of all that you could do, and you stayed because who you could become. Or yeah. Something like that. Because the, the whole thing with, like... This is a book that... It, it's about nostalgia. It's about the 80s. Um, and the whole concept is based around following this easter egg hunt to, that this creator of this game has left who is obsessed with the 80s and obsessed with pop culture and music and tv shows and books and games and things from the 80s and so that's where a lot of the amusement and humor and nostalgia comes from in the book and the book is not perfect i will admit that there's definitely some points where the book is like this is really nice and whimsical and points where the book like straddles the line where it's like you're you're almost in the point of where i'm just like I, I'm a generic. I'm. It's like, hey, sit down. I'm a generic guy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk to you about nostalgia. Like it straddles that line a few times, but it manages to avoid it for the most part. But like, there's, like, there's no color in these ads. This doesn't look like a world that you'd want to live in, and it feels like it's lost the. Also, if this is Whimsy. supposed to be nostalgic of the 80s, the 80s were colorful. They were bright. They were, like... There's a very distinct feel. There... Besides the music choices, like, I really didn't get anything 80s. I didn't know that this was supposed to be nostalgic of the 80s, actually, until you told me. And then you told me right before we started recording that it's supposed to be Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Spielberg's directing directs it. directs it. And I... Steven Spielberg is an amazing director. 
but entertainment-wise, he was huge in the 80s, and you told me about how he doesn't want to be... He said, like, and that's just a an issue I have with the entire film, like, Spielberg said it, before, like, they even started releasing trailers, hey, I'm directing this movie, I know it's based in the 80s, and I know that I was a huge part of the 80s, but I'm going to be taking some of the direct references to my films, my works, out of the movie so as to not be, like, tooting my own horn. And while I understand that to a degree, when you are someone who is as huge of a part of pop culture as Spielberg was in the 80s... Also, you're not tooting your own horn if that was part of the storyline. Yeah. You're almost, like, trying to draw attention to what... Look at how cool I am. I, I'm not going to toot my own horn, and let me tell you that I'm not going to toot my own... Like, you turn into that, kind of. You kind of tooted your own horn by not tooting your own horn. Yeah. And I'm glad that he just, like, said that initially, and then hasn't brought it up since. Because if in every interview he was like, By the way, don't forget, I took my own references out because I'm just that kind of a guy. I'm hoping that he changed his mind. Because I, I get it, where he's like, I don't want... I don't want to toot my own horn or, like, I don't want to direct this movie and then have all of my stuff in it. I get that. That's fine. That's understandable. I do think that he needs to be in there, like, a little bit. Yeah. Just from, like, how, like, he was, like, it doesn't have to be announced, but, like, have one of his movies, like, laying around. Yeah, something like na- that. Like, have his name say something. Like, uh, an Easter product, egg, a reference. Easter egg, like product placement. Do, do like that. Because he was a part of the 80s. Um, You're the, just not going to get around it. I I am, in general, worried, and th- this is going to be the last thing that I'm going to say about this, and then we got to move on. I am, in general, worried about this movie because of the fact that I... I it, it's clearly changing the, the like, idea of the nostalgia and, like, the focus of the nostalgia from just 80s to general pop culture and video games and nostalgia and things like that with... Because in the other trailers, there's references to Halo and Chucky and Overwatch and Akira. Chucky. And just, like, general pop culture as opposed to the very specific 80s pop culture that the book was based on, which is... I, I can see that change being made as long as you keep the spirit of this is a story about whimsy about that childlike nature that nostalgia instills in us and i don't see them keeping that spirit not from what i've seen i hope i'm wrong well that would be interesting that would be well because like if they took out like they don't want to do 80s fine whatever pick uh, pick a different decade be when the 70s the 90s modern day whatever who cares but like being whimsical about that definitely needs to be in there it's a part of the, the I story. Did, I it's ingrained about, in the story. Yeah, well, I didn't even think about that. Because maybe they're trying to be more whimsical about the 90s, which would make sense of, like, why the trailers have been not colorful and stuck to a lot of blue and purple. Yeah. Because the I'm, 90s was kind of, like, it's, like, I wouldn't say that it was a not colorful or not bright decade, but it definitely went more toward the darker clothing. Yeah. I'm just, in general, like... I know we talked a lot about the trailers, um, and we're going to get to actual news stuff in just a sec, but, like, I don't know, like, I'm not I'm not going to immediately trash on that, on Ready Player One yet, and I'm not going to immediately trash on, like, really any of these movies yet, not that purely we because, anything. not that we haven't, 
Um, purely because, like, good movies have bad trailers, bad trailers have good movies. Like, Pixar movies, rarely do Pixar movies ever have, like, better than just adequate trailers. Like, they they get us excited because of, it's, because of what it's Pixar teasing. Pixar honestly would just do better, um, their better trailers are always trailers where they just, like, put a bunch of clips together from their movie and they're like, bleh! That, that's, that's is what a trailer is. I, no, no, I know that's what a trailer is, but, like, they just do it randomly. If you look, if you, like, compare their trailers normally to most, um, uh, most other trailers from other studios, then they're not really that great. They're not terrible, but they're not really that great. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like, bad trailer, bad movies have good trailers, good movies have bad trailers. Like, well, Pixar mostly settles in, like, children's movies as well, so it's not like you need a lot to get a child excited about Well, that's not... Okay, we're not even going to get into that argument. We're actually going to move uh, closer to the news. All right. Um, first on the agenda, news-wise, um, a fairly smaller story, but one that is still uh, notable enough to talk about. Um, so one of the the next, or at least it was, I don't know if this pushes the release date back any, um, the next like Lego movie to come out uh, lost its director. Um, there, uh, there's a, or when it was first announced way back after the first Lego movie, there was a movie coming, there is a movie coming out called The Billion Brick Race, which there's no plot information about it. There's no poster or anything. They're still obviously looking for a director. Um, I wonder if they're going to start over. Like, I wonder, like, I wonder if this new director is going to come in and then, like, uh, scrap no. some of the plot. Scrap. I mean that everything. that happens. Like I don't see them scrapping everything because they've clearly worked decently on this, and they probably won't because they'll probably ask the next director to like edit and like try to figure out where to go from there because they've already spent enough money on production, so it's not like they're I mean they want to start over. But this is if they're still looking for a director, they haven't started production. That's true, they haven't even started recording yet. It would have been much bigger news if it was like, hey, they lost a director halfway through filming or something like that, like yeah. Solo did. Do we know why the uh, um, director Yes, I do. It's in the rest of the article that I have in front of me that I have yet to read. Um, uh, this is from Slash Film. Um, so, the, so, this is... A so Billion Brick Race is a spinoff that's supposed to come out in 2019, the same year as the Lego Movie sequel, which I love that they're just calling it that. Um, it was originally, um, it was originally being worked on by Jason Siegel and Drew Pierce, who's a writing partner of Jason Siegel, with Pierce going to direct it. And from what it initially sounded like, it sounded like, like. Like, a movie kind of like, it's a mad, mad, mad world, or rat race, where it's, like, a bunch of people just, like, racing. Yeah. Um, which is a fun concept, especially in the in a Lego world. Like, that's an interesting concept. Um, they left the project early on, and then, um, after they left, oh, I, I'm gonna butcher his name, and I apologize, because I love him, Jorg R. Guterres, um... What? <laughs> signed on to direct the movie. Uh, the creator of El Tigre and the writer and director of Book of Life. 
um, who's also working on other animated projects with other studios currently, but um, he joined the project, um, worked a little bit on it, and then left, which I was excited. I got more excited about this movie with the inclusion of him because I love Book of Life. I think Book of Life is great. Um, And it's just the fact that they've lost... uh, him uh, uh, what uh, from what appears of his own volition like it doesn't sound like he's fi- he was fired um there was a quote that he put on his facebook um i would like to publicly and from the bottom of my heart thank everyone i worked with at bricksburg lego and warner animation group these last nine months were a roller coaster of thrills to say the least i met so many amazing new people and learned a ton from all these incredible artists directors writers editors producers and execs I leave a better filmmaker, and it's because of you all. May our paths cross again. Gracias, mi amigos. And as I toasted on my first day there, may we slip and slide on the blood of our enemies. I love Gutierrez. He's made great movies, and I'm excited to see his future. Um, And this just speaks to his sense of humor that I love so much. True. Um, Yeah. Speaking of directors... Um, are you ready to talk about what we found out with Justice League? No, that's very last. That's the biggest story we're talking about this week. I told I you I have an order. No, no, that's no. the good news. I have an order. See, I set this up in an order. I said just trust me. Um, the next story we are talking about, though, is... Uh, Fox is doing interesting things. Um, 20th Century Fox... Fox is just interesting. Uh, we're talking about the film studio. I know. Um, 20th Century Fox. So interesting. Um, shortly after being bought by Disney, which happened just barely too long enough ago for us to talk about it. Um, Disney's a monopoly. I love Disney films, but the company itself is a monopoly. I mean, as long as it doesn't say, like, 20th Century Fox, a Walt Disney Corporation, as long as they just oh! let them exist... <laughs> That'll be funny. As long as they just let them continue to exist, then I'll be fine. Um, but well, they kind of did that with Star Wars, where like they didn't say a Walt Disney picture or something yeah. like that. Um, same thing with Marvel. True. So that's why. Anyway, oh, um, I forgot Disney bought Marvel. Uh, two of their biggest movies of the year have been pushed back. Um, one is Alita: Battle Angel, which is a live-action film based on an anime. Which sounds concerning, but is not. Or is not as much as uh, Ghost in the Shell. Um, produced by James Cameron. Um, He's not who's, James Cameron made Titanic and Avatar. Um, and directed by Robert Rodriguez, the director of Machete, Spy Kids, like uh, Grindhouse. There's one more movie I can't think of, but like Planet Terror, like... A really good director from *Dusk Till Dawn*. That's the one I couldn't think of. Oh, from *Dusk okay. Till Dawn*. Um, and you know I was joking about James Cameron. right? I know you were joking about James Cameron, and I have. I'm. I don't see this movie going down the same path as *Ghost in the Shell*, purely just because while this is a live action adaptation, a live action American adaptation of an anime, this is an anime that, for the most part, was discovered and like found itself in American pop culture because James Cameron really liked it. Like, he was, he was talking about it when it, uh, a while ago, and, like, that's how people found out about it and got interested in it, and it took on a life of its own. So that in and of itself makes me hopeful for that movie. The first trailer is kind of weird, um, but, like we said, bad trailer doesn't mean a bad movie. Um, they pushed it back 
this was like a big action summer movie. They pushed it from July 20th to December. And then... Well... The, their, their next... Their Predator movie... Um. Got pushed back as well. Um, it got pushed from August 3rd to September 14th, which is less of a gap, but, like, that's your... That's two of your big summer movies. Like, that big action blockbuster movies. Moved to a different season. Yeah. That because is now concerning. Because Predator's gonna be a big fall movie, and... Um, I don't know what Alita's gonna be, because we know... Because that, like, we that's know... That's the anime one, right? Yeah. Alita. We, Alita. Oh, Alita. Yeah. Okay. Because we know action movies that are not Star Wars definitely make a lot of money in the winter. That was sarcasm. Yeah. Um, and, like, this is... This kind of... like, when people put out movies in December, like, especially, like, the same week that Star Wars does, it's just kind of like, do you, do you hate yourself? I mean, Jumanji... Jumanji was different. No one expected Jumanji to make it. They just crossed like 750 million worldwide. No Jumanji one expected that. Jumanji was like overly surprisingly good. Well, and t- they got I wouldn't say it's overly surprisingly good in terms of the film. I think it's a good film, but in terms of surprised. box office numbers, yeah. I was surprised it was good or as good. I was good. expecting like I didn't hate the old Jumanji. I did. That's not at all what I'm saying. I did. <laughs> I just thought that the creative approach that they did with Jumanji was really good. But in average, any movie that comes out at the same time as a Star Wars movie is not going to do well. Yeah, and then this somehow came out of nowhere, and uh, or Jumanji did. Anyway, um, this this concerns me that Fox is doing this because they just did it with another big movie. Um, the New Mutants got pushed from March of this year to February of 2019. New Mutants already had a trailer and a poster and like I Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. She's one of the stars of New Mutants. She was in an interview for Early Man cuz she's also in that and she said that she thinks it's a, the right approach. She was quoted upon saying like I have complete faith in the producers and the executives and I think that what they're doing this is the right approach to do this. That doesn't still concern me with the fact that you're pushing one of your big superhero action movies, not even out of summer, a whole year forward. It just makes me wonder, like, who messed up? Like, what are you concerned about behind the scenes? Because this is not, this isn't like like Justice League or Suicide Squad, where it was like, we're going to go into reshoots, like Suicide Squad had reshoots to add more humor to the movie. That's fair. That You can't do that with New Mutants because you are advertising this as a horror-style film. You can't do reshoots to, like, perk up the script or, like, Thor Ragnarok did well, so let's put some more humor into it. Like, you can't do that because that's just not the genre of the movie. Well, I wonder if they're doing, if they have to do reshoots of, like, action scenes or something. Maybe. I mean, that's always a possibility. like, a reshoot that, like... Needs an entire year. Yeah, because that's the other thing. They didn't say why this was. They didn't say we're pushing it back for reshoots or we're pushing it back for visual effects reasons. They just said we're pushing it back. Yeah, like, I feel like somebody seriously messed up. Yeah. Um, next story. Um, it, this is a small one that I just wanted to mention because I think it's uh, 
good, and I will relish any opportunity to talk about Blade Runner 2049 again. Um, you really will. Star Wars Episode Nine, which is in production, I don't think it's been shot yet. I would be surprised if it had been shot with this news, but who knows? Um, they hired the art director from Blade Runner 2049 to work on Star Wars Episode Nine, which is going to be a big movie because it's the last in this trilogy. Like, that in and of itself is going to sell it as a big film. Um, but this art director has not just worked on Blade Runner 2049, which is an amazing film that you should absolutely see the moment you get the chance to because it has amazing cinematography, music, and art direction, and it is a gripping three-hour epic. I'm going to stop ranting about Blade Runner now. I was going to say, um, peer pressure much? Like, uh, uh, Paul Ing- Inglis... Uh, who is the art director of Blade Runner 2049, has also worked on Skyfall, Game of Thrones, Prometheus, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, and Children of Men. Oh. Which, that's a pretty impressive resume. Um, and Well, you said he's for artistry? Yeah, he's art director. Like, yeah, art yeah. director, um, they oversee the entire art department. So the visual effects people, the set designers... Uh, how the sky is going to look. I didn't see all those movies, but, like, when you said Skyfall, like, Skyfall really stood out to me because, unlike the rest of the 007 movies, like, Skyfall took a really interesting turn. I like Skyfall a lot. visual effects. I like it a lot. Especially, like, um, the beginning and end of the movie Mm -hmm. with the whole falling scene. Like, that was, that was huge. Oh, yeah. Um... But yeah, that's just a small piece of news I just wanted to mention. Um, another semi-decently big piece of news, because it's Star Wars. So, again, it's Star Wars, so of course it's going to be semi-decently big. So, for those who are not in the know, there's a series of video games called Star Wars Battlefront. Um, the originals came out in 2003 and 2005, I want to say. Um, and they're multiplayer online shooters. They are meant to have, like... 50 people versus 50 they're meant to feel like battles and they're set in different worlds um of star wars there's not particularly a campaign in any of the games even the older ones like single player um the focus is to play through a battle in coruscant or on uh tatooine or on hoth as a stormtrooper or a rebellion soldier or like that's where the draw comes from in case listeners didn't know Jacob Delandro is a major Star Wars nerd. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but the reason that, that this story is big is in, when, when The Force Awakens came out, a new Battlefront came out. Um, it was the first Star Wars video game with EA as the main studio behind it. And... EA is a video game company with some very interesting opinions from the general public. For those who aren't... I thought EA was, like, didn't they do, like, video games with sports? Like, EA Sports? I mean, yeah, that's one of their avenues, but they are a huge, huge company. They make a lot of video games. I don't know anything about them. Um, Well, (laughs) here's here's a quick thing for both you and the listeners who don't know a lot about EA. In 2013 and 2014, I might be wrong on those years... Um, and I think it was slightly earlier, but anyway, two years in a row, EA was voted the worst company in America. Oh. Not just for video games, like, period. Wait, 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 they beat Walmart in yes. being the worst company? The, yes, two years in a row, EA was voted the worst company in America. Wow. They are infamous in the video game world. 
And one of their more recent infamous moves was they put out a sequel to Star Wars Battlefront. Um, So in 2015, they launched a whole new, on PlayStation 4, like brand new from the ground up, Star Wars Battlefront game. With the same basic concept, you're playing through these battles with a bunch of people, and it was fine. Like, visually, it was spectacular, but in terms of the mechanics and the gameplay, it was just fine. are they fine. just a bad company with their product, or are they a bad company well, with, like, how they treat their employees, or how they treat employees, their Employees, I'm not 100% on. Here's an example of why they're bad. So, they just recently released Star Wars Battlefront 2 to coincide a few months prior to the release of The Last Jedi. And people are not a fan because there's an overabundance of microtransactions of going in and you can buy this character or this loot box for $5 and things like that. Not only is that in Star Wars Battlefront 2, but it's a ridiculously confusing way. I've seen videos of journalists from IGN or GameSpot Try to break this down. These are journalists who report on video games for a living, and they had difficulty breaking it down, like how these microtransactions work. Because not only That's was it, bad. not only was it, hey, you can buy loot boxes that give you random items and random star cards. These star cards would then level up your abilities. Like, oh, you have this star card, you can shoot your your headshots deal five percent more damage, and then you can take that card and upgrade it with more things you get from more loot boxes. Oh, but we're not done. You can't buy those star cards or those things individually. So you might start getting things for characters or classes you don't use, materials you don't need. So even if you wanted to, you couldn't go in and buy, hey, I need just the star rock that to upgrade this card. You can't go in and just buy that. You can only buy the credits to buy more loot boxes. And then, one can assume that the appeal of a Star Wars video game is to play as Star Wars characters, right? Wait, you don't get to do that? Imagine how you would feel if you were told, hey, in this video game, you could play as Darth Vader. You could play as Luke Skywalker and Leia and Rey and... Chewie. Chewie and, like, all these characters that you love. And then you sit down and you go, okay, uh, only Leia... And Luke are unlocked at the beginning of the game. If you want to unlock these other characters, you have to play through the game, earn credits by playing the game, and then use those credits to buy access to Darth Vader or Han Solo. That's not that bad. Like, Mario does that with uh, Mario Kart. Where, like, you can't play, like, certain characters. Well, see, here's the thing. Mario Kart is different because it's like, hey, once you beat this race, you unlock this character. This is different because they said, hey, to play as Darth Vader. Darth Vader costs, originally, before they lowered the price, I think it was 80,000 credits. Do you know how many credits you get? 80,000? Now, those credits, you can't buy credits directly, I don't believe. You get them via playing the game and finishing matches. Yeah, but you know, you do you know how many credits you get from be- when you finish a 20-minute match? Don't you get, like, three? Like, like two? 60. Like, 60 to 70. In a 20-minute match, 80,000 for one character. They lowered those prices significantly after people got mad at them. But then it's also the idea of, yeah, I know that I'm going to play the game and get credits by playing the game, but I want to play a Star Wars game 
and I want to play as Vader. Like, I, I want to play as Vader when I boot up the game. So that's backstory to that. The, the real meat of the story is, so because of the overwhelming negative critical reception and audience reception and also low sales from Star Wars Battlefront 2 because of all this controversy, Lucasfilm and Disney are trying to break out of their exclusivity contract with EA. Um... Well, yeah, because they're losing money. While nothing has been officially confirmed... Well, they're not losing money. I want to clarify. I don't think anything with the Star Wars name on it right now is losing money. That's true. Um, but, like, okay, I shouldn't say losing money. But, th- like, this is a getting sig- a bad rap. Like, they took the microtransactions out of the game. They took out the option to buy these credits. You still had to earn them in the game to unlock these characters, but... Shortly after the game came out, they removed the option to spend more money in the game. Largely rumored because Disney came in and was like, Hey, we got a Star Wars movie coming out in two months. You better not be getting us any bad rep around Star Wars name right now. None of that's been confirmed, but that's generally the what the belief is as to why they took those out. I wouldn't be surprised because if I was Disney, I would be going up and being like, Don't embarrass me. Um... But according to this article from Cinelinks.com, um, originally Lucasfilm went to EA because it was such a large company with many developers under their control so that they could potentially deliver more Star Wars games in a quicker amount of time. Understandable. Five years in and only two games are released. I would Battlefront be 1 so and Battlefront upset. 2. And a few others are barely announced. Some of those games are being canceled left and right. I would be really upset if I was Lucasfilm. The biggest the biggest non-Battlefront game that was announced was a secret game codenamed Ragtag, developed by an EA-owned studio, Visceral Games, who are known for making the Dead Space series. And the game was going to be written and directed by... Let me make sure I get her name right. Um, Amy Hennig, who is the writer and director of the Uncharted franchise... Okay, so I understand that, um, I understand, like, that, uh, Lucasfilm went to EA for, to, like, get a lot of video games out of it, and that they're trying to go somewhere where video games come out decently often. Yeah. But I would be trying to get out of my contract with EA if they had only produced two real video games. And that's, like, for any graphic design major or computer programmer listening out there, like, I understand it takes a really long time to make animation, but if somebody signed a contract with you because they thought that you would be able to make them a lot of video games, shouldn't you then be able to make them a lot of video games if that's what your contract was for? Oh, definitely. Um, And, like, like, that game... Like, with a great studio behind it and a great director behind it was cancelled. Well, okay, it wasn't cancelled, but the studio working on it was closed. Mm-hmm. Amy Hennig was fired. And then EA said that we are going to create a rewarding... Uh, it was something along the lines... Like, just a very buzzwordy, like, a rewarding, engaging games-as-service platform... For more and more players to come in and create meaningful stories. That doesn't sound like a 
story-driven single-player game to me, because if it was, you would have just said story-driven single-player game. That sounds like EA is like, we're going to try and make another platform where we can take another swing at these microtransactions. Yeah. Um, oh, because when you started talking about, like, developing your own character, like, you got to remind me of D&D. Well, in a way, but, like... I, like, I, oh my god, if they made, like, a legit Star Wars RPG where you could just make up your own character from the start. They haven't made one of those since, like, 2003. That'd be amazing. Knights of the Old Republic. That is an amazing game. Um, but we have the biggest story of right now in the entertainment world, which I'm kind of surprised isn't getting talking, talked about more. Um, and now I'm very excited to dive into. This is like the story into. I've been waiting to talk about um, on the podcast. I know that th- this has been a kind of a long podcast, um, but I promise you, uh, I, 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 well, I can't promise that it won't be like this every time. But like, we promise we're not trying to annoy you. We're, this is not just us going on rants, just to go on rants. Um, I am not the biggest fan of the DC extended universe currently. Can I say? It? Can I say? It? I hold on, because I like I like Wonder Woman. I liked Wonder Woman a lot. Um, I didn't think it was perfection, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I hate Suicide Squad a I think lot. Every like, if you are a true DC fan, I feel like if you didn't hate Suicide Squad, you were at least like me, where you were greatly disappointed. You would be surprised some of the people I've talked to. Um, and I hate Batman versus. I That's think, why I said a true DC fan. Like, because well, no, I'm saying even with that clarification, you would be surprised. Um, I I I hate Batman versus Superman, but it's a different kind of hate. Like, I could I don't see myself ever watching Suicide Squad again. I see myself watching Batman versus Superman with some friends. Suicide Squad literally scared me off of watching. Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Ba- I'm like still scared to watch. Them. Man of Steel is bad, but it's just kind of like it's it's bad because it's just so generic and mediocre. Batman versus Superman is like get some friends together, get some popcorn. Like we're gonna make fun of this movie, like make jokes oh, at them. Like it's Twilight. one of those movies. Yeah, it's a Twilight it's, it's, movie. You riff on the movie. Um, Suicide Squad just makes me too angry. Justice League was. So I know what we're watching on Saturday then. Oh God, please no! Like I need time to prepare. Um... <laughs> Saturday's so, a perfect day. Justice League is a different kind of movie. I think it's an. It, I thought it was an improvement. It was showing that okay, we're fixing some of the issues that have been prevalent in a lot of these movies, but we still have some work to do. And that movie is interesting because it went through a lot of reshoots. It went through a a change in leadership because Zack Snyder, in March of last year, stated, "Hey, guys." I'm removing myself from the project. My wife and I are both removing ourselves from the project as me as a director, writers, and producers. His da- My daughter committed suicide two months ago. I thought burying myself in my work would help. It did not. So I'm going to just remove myself from the project. He said Joss Whedon was coming in to finish writing and post-production, do some reshoots, and he did. And the movie came out, and it was decent. However. He lied. Well, we don't know that. We don't know if he lied or not. New reports are coming out that Zack Snyder was fired about two months prior to that public leave from the DC Universe. Um, According to a pretty long piece from Mashable.com, which, uh, uh, as far as I know, broke the story, 
Um. Uh. Why was he fired again? Well, this this was there was a statement released by Warner Brothers last March, um, from uh, the president of Warner Brothers Pictures, Toby Emmerich, who said. The Snyders remain an important part of the Warner Brothers family and are actively involved in several upcoming DC pictures, including their continued creative input on Justice League. We are excited about our partnership and look forward to our continued collaboration because they are still listed as producers on Aquaman, Wonder Woman 2, like uh, there's a Gotham City Sirens movie well, coming out. Get, like, I thought he only got fired from Justice League. Um, no, not according to this. God, I love this story. Um... Apparently, um, I'm trying to find the specific um, part in this. Um, apparently, accor- the, the long and short of this article is that Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder are no longer going to be involved creatively with the DC cinematic universe and that they were fired about two months prior oh so she was fired as well she didn't just leave no both both of them together because they're they're producing partners um they were fired due to the poor critical reception of zach's most of zach's well all of zach's uh directed uh dc movies and the effect that they were starting to have on dc as a company well not just dc as a company but like the the film the DC films like they were starting to carry that stigma like even Wonder Woman which had really good trailers and a really good team behind it I every time I saw a trailer for Wonder Woman the back of my head thought hey but it's a DC movie you know how those have been recently let's not get our hopes up too much and I thought the same thing with Justice League Justice League had a really cool ad campaign especially once Joss Whedon took over um, but yeah. But Justice League and Wonder Woman were both surprisingly better than anybody thought they were going to be. Wonder Woman especially. Oh, yeah, Wonder Woman especially. Um, according to Warner Brothers, um, uh, th- this is from the article, while the Snyder's phasing out may not come entirely as a surprise, it's sure to send a shockwave through the DC fandom, which fiercely supported Snyder's films in the face of harsh critical reception. And struggles with the Snyder's were not entirely due to the increasingly hostile critical reactions of their films, Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad in particular. Warner Brothers Brass became increasingly concerned with their tendency to drive up budgets in reshoots and have been anxious for a freshened creative direction that manifested in Wonder Woman. So because they were also surprised at how good Wonder Woman was, they were like, oh, hey, Wonder Woman, like, they, they were seeing the, what was being made even before Wonder Woman came out and were like, hey, we like this direction more. Well, yeah. We want to well, get you out as much as possible. Well, because the people's biggest complaint when it came to Suicide Squad was that one, storylines were not followed. That was like a giant one. Another one was that Joker and Harley Quinn. Oh is, God, let's ab- not let's not even get into that. But it's an abusive relationship that's romanticized. And there's and a way to do that. That's not the point of the comics. Yeah, there's a way to do that in the comics, especially in the with the current Harley Quinn run, um, with just her as the main character. Um, but uh, uh, like, 
this this getting rid of him it, he's literally like the create or he was the creative head of the DC extended universe like Joss Whedon was Except with he wasn't really that creative fair enough um it, well he was in the wrong ways um but like this in, he was in the same oh, position I wouldn't say he was that creative you ever seen uh sucker punch that's a very that's, fair. that's a very creative movie that's fair. That's in the fair. wrong ways. I forgot that he was in I thought I forgot he was involved um in but like Joss, like Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon were in the same position. Were, Zack Snyder's in the same position that Joss Whedon was in in the uh, uh, a few years ago with Marvel, because he was the um, like head of. I'm going to direct the Avengers and like try to help spearhead the coming together of the MCU as a whole thing. Once it became clear that like this is a thing that we can do, um, and David Ayer, who directed. Um, Suicide Squad and was supposed to be working on a Gotham City Sirens like female team up movie for DC with like Poison Ivy and Cat uh, Cat Catwoman and uh, Harley Quinn. He he's apparently also in. He hasn't been completely fired, but he's in limbo uh, as well. Um, and it's just it, it's. It's an interesting situation considering how big these movies have been and just how big of a chunk um, of Warner Brothers' time they've taken up. And as opposed to... Because they clearly don't want to completely reset everything. Yeah. And, like, reboot. Because of not only Wonder Woman, but people... For the most part, the castings of these movies have not been the issue. Like, I am a minority, but I don't... I like Ben Affleck as Batman. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's the best, but I don't think he's bad. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, the other interesting part of this is... While that came out... That report came out from a close friend of Snyder's... Um, claiming that that is... From that report is completely true. There's a... This is more of a rumor... This is definitely a rumor compared to the other uh, report, but there's now a report that Warner Brothers just wanted to get Justice League out the door. Yeah. That, um, according to um, this report from Screen Rant, um, well, this report from Screen Rant that comes from a report from Revenge of the Fans, Warner Brothers top brass new Justice League in whichever condition it came packaged, the Snyder Cut the Whedon cut, etc., would ultimately fail. Um, and they wanted to release it so they could get on to their next project. Which is never an opinion you want your studio to have of a film they're releasing. Well, okay, so we've all gotten to that point with a project, or like, like as a college student, I feel like we can very well relate. And like, you're working on a paper or a project or a presentation... And you've been working on it for so long that you're fed up and you just want to move on to the next thing. So you're pretty much like, I don't care how it looks at this point. I just want it. I just want to know how it's going to turn out. I gotcha. But yeah. at the same time, if you are a multi-billionaire company that... With a franchise like DC, just circle DC. Yeah. You should probably not do that. Yeah. Um, and... There's another, another like because you're not just gonna get like a bad grade like a college student would. You might just lose. You're gonna damage. Your, you might lose like a huge fraction that's, of your fans. That's what happened with Justice League. 
Um, like, we'll talk about Justice League's box office. That happened with Suicide Squad, too. Like, people, like, just dropped. Well, no, because... All right, I'm talking about box office numbers. That's fair. Suicide Squad made a lot. Um, Batman vs. Superman made a lot, but less than they thought it would. Justice League, because it came out after Batman vs. Superman, and people were like, Zack Snyder's name is still on this as a director. We don't know how this is going to go. It it really didn't make as much as they thought it was going to, or even wanted it to. Um, and another, there's another article from Screen Rant that says... Warner Brothers reportedly expected Justice League to fail for months before release, so the decision to have Whedon come in and change Snyder's movie as drastically as he did was the studio going, quote, all in to erase what they saw as the harmful effects of Snyder's take on the world and its characters. Uh-huh. And using the movie Hail Mary. In, using the movie instead as an attempt to pivot characters like Superman into a lighter, more hopeful version of the Man of Steel. Which I will admit, it did a decent job of like, the characters were definitely improved, and the world was definitely improved from past DC movies that have come out recently, but it just still, it didn't work 100%. Um, and that the future DC movies like Wonder Woman 2 and Aquaman, um, that uh, Zack and Deborah Snyder still have executive producer credits in name only. So, like, this is... This is not just like, hey, I'm removing myself from this film, or hey, I'm stepping back from the company. They are doing damage control, which is insane for a franchise as big as this. Um, But yeah, this is a story that I definitely expect this to develop at least somewhat in the future. Maybe Zack Snyder comes out and says something about it. Who knows? Um, But we'll just have to wait and see. Probably not. I, doubt it. I mean, he's he's a fairly outspoken dude, so no, maybe he's an something. Outspoken dude, but everybody's got a price, and I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if he got paid off to be quiet. Maybe. Um, and if he's this harmful of a director, it's not like anybody's fighting for him to direct any movie. I mean, people does. like his movies. Like so. they have a fan base. Like I'm even, I'm a fan of his Watchmen movie because I like the visual designs of the film and because I like his take on the world. I think creatively, he I feel like he was a guy who should have remained a director of photography or an art director and just became a director director. Because, like, uh-huh. visually his films are strong. Um, uh, now, there, uh, there, there's a point where uh have to talk about news that's not exactly happy news um because this is hollywood and there's a lot of people in hollywood and this happens sometimes um there were two extremely notable deaths uh this past week um one of which came completely out of left field um johan johansson the uh extremely famous composer behind um Sicario, The Theory of Everything, Arrival, Prisoners, works with Denis Villeneuve, uh, the director of uh, Blade Runner and Arrival and Sicario and Prisoners. Um, passed away in at 48 years old in his apartment in, uh, I, I want to say Sweden. I'm, this article Do doesn't know? say. That's the other thing. We don't. This happened, uh, like, a week and a half ago. And we still don't know. There's no report as to why he's, uh, or what happened. Um, there is, there was this, um, 
it, uh, from the Berlin neighborhood that he lived in, if, from his Berlin apartment, I'm, I'm sorry, um, a police spokesman told the, the Hollywood Reporter they broke into Johansson's apartment in Berlin's trendy Mitt neighborhood mid-afternoon on Friday and found him dead. Quote, there were no signs of violence or foul play of any kind. The spokesman said authorities ordered a toxology test of Johansson's blood as a matter of course, but do not expect results before next week at the earliest. Currently, there is no active investigation into the cause of his death. This was a week and a half ago, and we still don't know. Um, this is uh, this is upsetting. Uh, I, I liked his music a lot. I thought his music was uh, exceptionally... Um, good and very nice and just very that kind of music that's nice and pleasant to listen to but also is clearly like there's a difference between like nice and pleasant elevator music and nice and pleasant music that like clearly still has that effort and that grit put into it and his music definitely has that kind of effort and grit put into it um i would definitely extremely recommend the soundtrack for the theory of everything um if you want just a very quick burst of his best work and if you like more experimental pieces of music the soundtrack for arrival is really just absolutely gorgeous um but yeah uh this is upsetting because he was also in the middle of another project um a oh so we'll never get that finished product well uh, it was another film score a film score for a new disney movie christopher robin a new live action winnie the pooh based film that he was set to do the music for. No! Um, and the other notable death is Reg E... Not Reggie. Reg E. Kathy. Um, an actor from House of Cards and The Wire. Uh, his... Um, as well as uh, Grimm, SVU, Outcast. Um, his most recent film roles were in The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks with Oprah Winfrey. And he played... Oh, I can't, I can't think of the character's name. He played the father of Sue and Johnny Storm in the recent Fantastic Four uh, live-action film, which I'm not... Okay, well, I finally know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, passed away 59 after a battle with uh, lung cancer, which is... I mean, that sucks. It, it sucks. It does. It's upsetting. Um... I mean, he's appeared in a bunch of films. He appeared in uh, The Mask, in Seven, um, and it's, it, I don't, it's, it's upsetting. Yeah. Unfortunately, it happens. cancer, like... Yeah. It wasn't as expected and out of nowhere as Johan, um, but the creator of The Wire actually broke the news. Like, he was on Twitter, and he tweeted, Reg Cathy, 1958-2018, not only a fine, masterful actor, but simply one of the most delightful human beings with whom I ever shared some long days on set. On wit alone, he could double any man over and leave him thinking. Reg, your memory is a great blessing. I mean, I'm glad that he's well-remembered and, like, remembered in a happy way. So I am very pleased with that. Um, It's unfortunate, though, that he's gone. Um, and now the very last story that I want to talk about, because I always want to end on good news. I always want to end whatever we talk about, whatever podcast we do with a piece of good news. And this is really cool good news, um, because it's good news when any film succeeds, but then it's also really good news and really cool news when a film completely blows past any expectations. Black Panther. And that's what happened this past week with Black Panther. More records. 
Well, okay. Then a lot of people expect this. Okay, yeah. I was afraid you were going to be like, Black Panther's broken more records than this movie. And I was going to be like, I don't know if I can fact check that that quick. What are you about to say? Um, no, but it's broken a lot of records yeah. and gotten a lot of attention. M- more than people expected. Yeah, um, but apparently, because you've seen the film and I have not yet seen it, I apologize. I will refrain from spoilers. But um, you did I, say that it deserved... To break yes, all of those I, records. Yes, it definitely deserves the attention it's been getting. Um, and we're going to run through some of these things real quick. Um, in Ticket... So so we all know with superhero movies and movies like uh, Star Wars, people pre-order their tickets. They're going to buy their tickets in advance for the Thursday night midnight showing or the Friday night showing so they get their seats. Black Panther sold more tickets um, in its pre-sales than any other superhero film ever. Both in regular tickets and in IMAX, which is impressive. Um, Black Panther also made more in its opening weekend than Justice League did in its entire box office, which is hysterical. Let's take a moment for that. That's hysterical to me. Um, And I should clarify, not in its entire U.S. box office. So Justice League's entire U.S. domestic box office was, um, uh, where's the exact number? But that says a lot. Their opening weekend made more than the entire Justice League movie did in total? Yes. $220 million domestically in the U.S. alone was Justice League's total. Um, and Black Panther made $201 million in its opening, like, this article was came out on, uh, Sunday, so they hadn't counted the rest of Sunday's tickets and also Monday's because it's President's Day yeah. weekend. Man, um, with a comparison, it's like Black Panther looked at two hundred and seventy-eight million was the total. Black Panther kind of just looked at Justice League and goes, "You tried. Yeah, let me show you how to do um, it." And it is set to surpass. So that's its opening weekend. It's vi- it's set to surpass Wonder Woman's total U.S. box office very soon. What? Wonder Woman made four hundred and twelve million in its total U.S. This is 278 already. Yeah, it's going to pass it. It's going to pass it fairly quickly. Um, it also passed the opening weekend of The Last Jedi. I I think. Wait, 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 90, wait, wait. No, I'm no, no, 99% sure. I'll do, a quick, I'll do a quick Google on that, but I'm 99% sure. You're telling me that Black Panther... Was more successful than a Star Wars movie? In its opening weekend, I might be wrong. So I'm box office mojo. It's pulled up on my phone right now. Hold on, it's loading. All right, no, I was in... Wait, in its opening week... Okay, I don't know if I'm incorrect or not. Because in its opening weekend through... This is boxofficemojo.com. Star Wars The Last Jedi, opening weekend, $220 million. Black Panther, opening weekend, $202 million. They're not counting, even though it's a President's Day weekend, they're not counting the money made on Monday. So, while it did still... So that's where that but um, comes up. they're significantly close They are numbers. significantly close in numbers. Um, so, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, including myself... Well... Get you, on it. You need to see it. Here is the other reason. Um, because those are all impressive and those are all numbers. 
and and money, but we as we clearly mean facts. Well, as we've clearly stated with a few of the movies we talked about, bad movies can still make quite a bit of money. Black Panther, according to Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, I haven't heard a single bad thing about Black Panther. Is the best reviewed superhero movie ever. It has a ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which means it is tied with. Uh, the Incredibles on there. And it has an 88 on Metacritic. Um, it is better, or the reviews, or that. It has a higher score on both Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes than any other Marvel film in the MCU or otherwise, any other superhero film and live action ever. And tied with the current holder for the, believe it or not, best reviewed superhero film of all time, which is The Incredibles. That's insane. That's like wow. Um, it, it's it's for anybody who wants to make a superhero movie, you might want to look at Black Panther as an example. Because because see, here's Just the thing. Maybe, there's there's you know, obviously how successful it's been. There's obviously reasons that people are going to immediately cynically jump to as to why Black Panther has been as successful as it is in terms of money, but in terms of critical. It's an example of a film putting its stories and its characters above its action because even, like, there, I I see a lot of superhero movies. I'm a fan of Marvel. I'm a fan of DC. I'm a fan of Star Wars. I had no idea. Oh, shut up. In our long friendship together, I had no idea that you were a nerd. And I, I like a lot of superhero movies, but even in the ones that I adore, the biggest issue that I have with the ones that I have no issue with are its pacing. They're, these movies are two and a half hours long, and most of the time it feels like it. Um, you called me after you got out of Black Panther, called, text, whatever, and I you w- were like, I want to go see it again. Because it, 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 it fixes the pacing problem. Like, this is a movie that I had no issues with, period. Because it even fixed the one issue that comes up in superhero movies that I love. For anybody who follows... Jacob's movie critique articles? The ro- uh, the real life uh, column at the rotundaonline.com. Okay. For any of you that follow that, you know how rare it is that Jacob has zero problems with Well, movies. okay. Now, hold on. Don't say that. No, no. Yes. You like plenty of movies. But you also are a very strict critique. Like, you are not going to sugarcoat a movie and say... You tried. It wasn't bad. Like, if a movie Fair sucks, enough. you are going to tell us exactly how it sucks. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, Black Panther has clearly been a resounding success in every uh, shape or in every possible way. And I want to go see it again this weekend. And I hopefully will at some point. Um, but that is going to do it. I know this was a longer episode and I apologize for that. But there was a lot of things for us to dig into. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching. I am Jake... Or, for watching, for listening. Um, my name is Jake Delandro. I am a member of the arts and entertainment staff at Longwood University's The Rotunda News Magazine. You can find that at therotundaonline.com where you can also find all of our content, um, all the rest of our podcasts, this podcast, um, our weekly e-edition, as well as my film review column, The Real Life. 
I am Ray Mundy and I write for the features section also on that website. If you are really curious of how Jacob and I look, we even have a Meet the Staff video. Mm -hmm. that where is... you can see how weird Jacob and I's dynamic is. Yes, very much so. Um, but that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Real Life. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Bye guys! Uh, we'll be back in another two weeks with all the trailers, all the news, all the general things that are happening in the entertainment world. And we'll see you guys then. Bye.